So today we're beginning our first sermon series of 2023, our 50th anniversary as a congregation. To celebrate our uh, anniversary, we have a full calendar of special programs and special worship that we'll have throughout this year. And as I mentioned last week, throughout this year, we're going to be focusing on uh, different aspects of who we are as a family of faith. In January, we're highlighting the fact that Christ United Methodist Church is a congregation committed to spiritual growth, uh, especially through continued learning. Methodism has always been a movement that embraces education and the ongoing pursuit of knowledge. We believe that God uh, has gifted us with these incredible brains so that we might continue to grow in our understanding of our world and of our um, role as God's disciples in the world and uh, where we see God's work in the world. And we believe that God reveals God's self in a variety of ways and that the increasing uh, body of human knowledge can help us to understand God and ourselves and our relationships with God and each other. So in that spirit, today we're beginning a new three-week sermon series called Awakening. It's inspired by a book called The Awakened Brain, The New Science of Spirituality and Our Quest for an Inspired Life, because of course we all want to live inspired lives. Written by Dr. Lisa Miller, who teaches clinical psychology at Columbia University, The Awakened Brain is about uh, the relationship between spirituality and mental health. The book is fantastic, and I'd highly recommend both the book and our upcoming workshop and keynote address with Dr. Miller in a couple of weeks. In the book, we learn that the, the latest brain research reveals something that I think we all know intuitively, and by we, I mean all of us who are committed to our spiritual journeys. I think, I think people of faith intuitively know something that science is, uh, in effect, proving right now, which is that every human being has an inclination to connect with the transcendent. Each of us has a deep spiritual need to connect with God, whether or not we realize it, whether or not we can necessarily name it as such. As God's faithful, of course, we know that God is, is always reaching out to us, is always inviting us into a relationship, is always offering us grace and love and mercy. That's what we believe. And we intuitively know that God has created us for that relationship and that uh, until we discover God and until we connect with God, there will be within us this unfulfilled longing. In his classic reflection on Christian spirituality called The Confessions, uh, St. Augustine said it best, I think. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. That has certainly been true in my life. Perhaps that resonates with you as well. And if you find yourself in a spiritually restless place, I would, I would commend this to you as something worth considering. Because it turns out that modern brain research is confirming that it's not just our hearts that are restless. It turns out that our, that our brains are wired for that connection with the divine as well. And she goes into fascinating detail in the book. I'm not gonna get into the weeds today, but I'll give you a, a quick summary. 
genetic research and MRI technology and epidemiology and uh, long-term uh, longitudinal peer-reviewed surveys and studies all point to the scientific fact that uh, we in the Christian tradition have always known to be a theological truth as well. Namely, and I'm quoting here from the book, humans are universally equipped with a capacity for spirituality and our brains are more resilient and robust as a result of developing that spirituality. The, the research points to clear connections between spirituality and better outcomes in our mental health. Specifically, uh, the data shows that there is a provable connection between high levels of spirituality and lower levels of depression and addiction as well as greater resilience in the, faith, in the face of life stresses like um, divorce and illness and the loss of a loved one. And again, I think as faithful people, we intuitively know that makes sense. When life happens, when tough things are thrown our way, uh, for those of us who are people of faith, our faith helps us navigate those turbulent waters. And interestingly, um, these benefits are the result of a particular aspect of our faith. There's a, a distinction between what Dr. Miller calls personal devotion, um, by which we would say, I mean, we would say spirituality for that, same idea. So that's on the one hand. And then on the other hand is what she calls personal conservatism, um, by which she means the specific religious traditions that we call home and the practice of our specific religious traditions. They're related, of course, but they're not, they're not the same. Personal devotion means the way in which we intentionally connect to God, while personal conservatism means the specific religion and, particular, and the particular tradition within that religion um, that we practice. In our case, that's obviously United Methodism. Now, as a pastor, um, I obviously think both are very important, spirituality and religion. Um, but in this series, we're going to be focusing on spirituality, that, that personal devotion that each of us has to God. So our reading for today is actually the, uh, the lectionary, the recommended lectionary psalm for today. And it's Psalm 40. The whole text is going to be verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 now, and we'll come back to the rest a little bit later. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the psalmist. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us, none can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Psalm 40 is my very favorite psalm uh, for reasons that I'll come back to later. And I particularly love that opening line, I waited patiently for the Lord. Um, now, for me, that's kind of an aspirational statement because patience is not really one of my spiritual gifts. 
but I think it's often required in our spiritual journeys. And Psalm 40 very much reminds me of that truth expressed by Augustine. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. For all of us here who have ever suffered spiritual restlessness, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, it's often because uh, we haven't had the patience to, to see what God has in store for us, to listen for what God has in store for us. In our quest for an inspired life, the, the first thing that we need is an awakening of attention, which is to say we need to turn our attention to God. We need to listen for God's will for our lives. We need to pay attention to the God who is always trying to get our attention. And here again, Lisa Miller draws an important distinction. Modern science has confirmed that there is a spiritual part of our brain that we can choose to engage, but it is a choice. And in fact, too many of us underuse this gift that God has given us. I'm sure you've noticed. <laughs> it's pretty easy to, to pay attention to everything but God in the midst of our busy and sometimes chaotic lives. And there's one particular study uh, that she cites in the book that confirms something that, again, I think we know intuitively so many of us use our brain power, focus our attention uh, on trying to organize and control our lives, which is to say we, we often devote the lion's share of our attention to achieving, however each of us defines achieving. That could be a successful career. It could be successful kids. It could be uh, economic well-being. It could be um, the accumulation of wealth or the accumulation of stuff. And it's, it's not necessarily that those things are bad. It's just that um, they can easily come to dominate our attention. And here's the point, dominate our attention to the exclusion of our personal devotion to God our spirituality. We can be so consumed with achieving that we lose sight of what is fundamentally important. It's easy to get locked into this pattern of motivation and reward, wanting more and trying harder. And if we're not careful, we soon find ourselves as the servants of our next achievement rather than the servants of the God who desires our attention and our love. Again, to quote the awakened brain, even when things appear to be working out for us, we perceive that it is up to us alone to make good things happen or prevent bad things from happening. Which is to say, when we, uh, uh, when we are focused on what she calls achieving awareness, that ends up being all about us. And when our, our lives are all about us, our spirituality, of course, suffers. I truly believe that every human being knows this uh, intuitively, innately. The Christian tradition has always taught this theologically, and now we know it scientifically. Each of us has this deep spiritual need to connect with the transcendent. And as Christians, of course, we know um, that we find our meaning and our purpose in our relationship with Christ. And we also know that that inherent need for meaning and purpose has nothing to do <laughs> with worldly achievement. It's about awakening to a, to a real, living, and life-giving connection with God. And if we're going to have that kind of personal devotion to our creator, we have to give it 
our attention. We have to uh, engage that spiritual part of our brain. We've got to make that choice. If we don't, if we instead use all of uh, the incredible power of this brain that God has given us to try to control and achieve and um, pursue and make idols of things other than God, again, we know this intuitively, that's when things get dicey. (laughs) That's when we end up in in what the psalmist calls uh, the desolate pit, the miry bog. I believe that there comes a time in each of our lives when we become uh, acutely aware of our need for something bigger than ourselves. I think that happens to all of us. It certainly happened to me. And that so often is the, the time when we start paying attention to the God who's always inviting us into a relationship. I waited patiently for the Lord, says the psalmist. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, here I am. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. Amen. All right, so if you've been here at Christ United Methodist Church for a while, you uh, probably have heard me say that I love the band U2. Um, They became rock icons my junior year in high school when their album, The Joshua Tree, came out. I really got into their music, though, in college when the concert movie Rattle and Hum came out. And they've been my my favorite band for more than three decades now. And there is a a particular song of theirs uh, that's always spoken deeply to me, although I didn't know why for a long time. It's the last track on their studio album called War, and there's a a powerful live version from their album Under a Blood Red Sky. In the early 1980s, they closed all of their concerts with it, and I was was kind of obsessed with this song throughout my 20s. Now, um, I should say here that I spent most of that decade, my 20s, spiritually restless. Uh, To paraphrase my favorite band, I had not found what I was looking for. (laughs) I had been raised in the church, for which I will forever be grateful, Uh, but I had drifted, and I had drifted for a while. I had not yet found the church home that that connected me with God. I had not yet developed that personal devotion, that spirituality that Lisa Miller talks about in her book. And so not surprisingly, um, I had this kind of unarticulated, unfulfilled desire to connect with the transcendent. I had... I had no idea what God wanted me to do with my life um, because God and I were frankly not all that close during that decade of my life. And there was this, there was this song by my favorite band that became uh, an integral part of that stage of my spiritual journey. And if you're a U2 fan, you surely know the song that I'm talking about. It starts with, a, with kind of an iconic bass line 
Bum, 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 bum. And then this really uh, kind of simple guitar comes in, and then this uh, drum beat begins, and then the lyrics start. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. And I didn't know why. Back then, I didn't know why. <laughs> but I would get choked up as I sang along with Bono the lyrics of this simple, haunting, deeply resonant song. And if you know the band, you know that song is called 40. <laughs> Waiting patiently has never been my spiritual gift. And that long journey in the spiritual wilderness lasted almost all of my 20s. And some of it got, well, I was pretty deep in the wilderness. <laughs> but God didn't give up on me because God's not in the giving up business. In January of 2000, when Whitney and I walked through the, the doors of a United Methodist Church, it was you, United Methodists, who taught me how to awaken my attention to the God who I later found out had been pursuing me all along. In the Awakened Brain, Lisa Miller, who's from the Jewish tradition, uh, offers a couple of practical ways to awaken our attention practices that any of us can do while we wait as patiently as we can for the Lord. She calls these uh, quieting practices, as in ways to calm the distractions in our brains and make us available to God. The first is, not surprisingly, uh, mindfulness practices, and in the Christian tradition, that would include prayer and meditation, those times that we set aside, ideally each day, to talk with God, and, if you ask me, more importantly, to listen to what God is saying to us. And then uh, the other is simply spending time in nature. There's a fascinating study that she cites in the book that found that um, one 50-minute walk, five-zero-minute walk in a natural setting, like the incredible parks we have here in Plano, uh, decreases anxiety, helps increase positive attitude, and even increases working memory performance. <laughs> now, from a Christian perspective, taking advantage of that outdoor time to, to quiet our minds and open our souls to God and turn our attention to our Creator is a way of awakening to the divine. It is a way of choosing to use that part of our brain. And for me, both mindfulness practices and time in nature um, are ways that I've done just that paid attention to my personal devotion uh, that changed my life. I've, I've been blessed to, uh, to have been to every U2 concert that has come through Dallas since I got out of the Navy in 1996. Um, I drove all the way to Tulsa one time because they weren't coming to Dallas. <laughs> and all of those concerts have been like going to church for me, except with way louder music. <laughs> and one of those concerts, though, uh, was particularly special. It was the Vertigo Tour. Uh, they the U2 came to the American Airlines Center on October 29th, 2005. Now, by that time, I had found what I was looking for, thank God. Whitney and I had been married for a couple of years. Our oldest, Max, would be born a year later, sorry. <laughs> I just looked out and saw him. Uh, would be born a, a year later. I was in seminary. 
Um, I was studying to be a pastor. I was well along the path to answering what I discerned to be God's call for my life. And we went to that concert with dear church friends. Um, And this particular friend of mine, when I told him about what I was preaching today, offered to come and play the bass so we could sing 40. And I told him I had not run that by Ben yet, so maybe we'll do that another time. But then, as now, I was in a good place spiritually after this decade in the wilderness. And the last song they played at that concert was 40. And it was the, it was the first time I'd heard them sing this song in person. And it kind of overcame me in that moment that those words from that song had come true to me. That God had done for me what I had been singing for God to do for all those years. You set my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. Many will see. Many will see and hear. It was as spiritual a moment as I've ever had before or since. Friends, for me, St. Augustine was absolutely right. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. May we all awaken our attention to the one in whom we find our rest. Amen.